0: Uh, my name is Ronnie Bullins, and I have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, can everybody hear me? Okay, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed this weekend meeting everybody and filling the, the kindred spirits here and now that, that we all God God's providentially brought us all here together in His sovereignty to go out and spread a good message. So I'm thankful to be part of that. Are you leaving? Everybody say goodbye to Daddy. Goodbye, Daddy. Betty. Betty. Hey. Take, Take care, care Betty. Betty. Goodbye. John had asked me to to just briefly share, and i promise to keep it brief If you guys knew me from my hometown they no brief, not in my vocabulary, so they they shut me up'll put little red beans on my head to be quiet but um just to share my my journey to uh life uh, or to Christ as life and uh a story about my daughter's um home going recently and um uh, and then my vision for ministry so um I'll I'll keep it brief and pick up. Uh, married uh, to the most beautiful uh supportive woman in the world, uh, Heather and uh we have uh two children now, Hannah and Nathan. I did have a, a third uh daughter who's gone home to be with the Lord. Uh she um left on July seventh of uh, of this past year. So, um but getting uh back to the to my journey to find Christ as life was a struggle. I grew up in a uh Pentecostal Church. Um, first of all, relating to uh, Gail, somewhat my, my parents divorced when I was five, and uh, we lived with my dad. My mom was an alcoholic, and uh, my dad, uh, in the early seventies, fought for custody and and won, which was unusual in that in that area, or I guess in any area, time that the the, the man could actually get custody over the female, because it's deemed the children in the best interest, the uh, best interest of the children that they be with their the mother, but he fought very hard to keep keep his children together and not expose us to the life that she was living. So, um, so anyway, so t- times were kind of tough for us, for four, four uh, bratty boys and one uh, uh, girl, and my sister was a little uh, quite a few years old than us, so she <coughs> ruled the house, let us out in the hot uh, heat seeing that she was cleaning up and we could look through the windows and see what she was watching the young and the restless and you know <laughs> and all that stuff. But uh we, we grew up a very tight, loving family and um but my dad uh, never went to church, uh would uh encourage us to go as, as people stopped by so this summer might have been a Baptist church, this summer a uh, Pentecostal church or church of God, but mostly started going to this Pentecostal church because they had this um a uh, youth group called the Royal Rangers that I thought was pretty neat and um and because there were some pretty girls there, so I can't lie. And God God knows so that was that was my motivation for going. But at the same time I was paying attention and, and felt really God working in my heart that something was missing and I knew something was was, was missing and I, I did feel a, a rejection from my mother. I had tried to never talk about mom you know in school and whenever that issue would come up for mother's day i'd always try to change the subject you know um i remember one particular time when i was in the uh, second grade she said she was coming home they were reconciling she was getting together i was very excited that day all day long and when i got home uh didn't see her car went in the house didn't see her there waited all day out on the swing till nightfall and she never came and i realized that it wasn't uh... happening and from that point till i was in my twenties literally cut my mother out of my life nothing to do with her not that i didn't feel bitter but maybe that's the description but um... i just said okay she doesn't want any part of me so um, i'll accept what i have with the people that care about me So um, as as time went on to to fast forward this um, I picked up a, more than I thought from this Pentecostal church. Then I started going with my brother to a, a church of God and I'm not, you know, picking on denominations here, but neither one taught, you know, eternal salvation or eternal security or whatever term you want to use it. And I was always confused by that because I thought eternal meant eternal. You know, otherwise it wasn't well, temporal. And I so I struggle with that. I have an analytical mind and I question things. I'm an engineer. Um, by career trade but uh prior to that I still questioned the disconnects that i saw in the in the in the church and uh so uh after we my wife and I got married i you know was really starting to read and study the the bible a lot because I wanted to understand uh really want wanted to understand what um while I was here what what God had me here for I knew it was more than what I was doing and uh, so as um As I continued to read and ask more questions, it was in a very legalistic church that uh, we were the Thursday night uh, visitors that would come and bang down your door, and hopefully you would reject us so we could go back and boast about being kicked out. And you know, this trouble, this church literally wanted to start fights. It seemed like you know, not to physical fist fights, but wanted to start fights. And we were rejected. We were being persecuted for standing up for Jesus, and which was just. Garbage and ignorance, as I later found out, and I and I questioned a lot of that at the time. But um, as I begin to study the scripture and still find disconnects as in the in the messages, I I never could understand grace and what role grace played in all this. We're supposed to do all these things for God's acceptance. You know that this is really hard work. You know this is really discouraging for me because I never felt that I measured up, and and thank God I didn't and didn't. Uh, had to, as later realize that it was in Christ. But I had a friend that was going to seminary, and um, I called him, and I was talking with him, and he, and he was really helping me a lot, you know, before all the free weekends and nights so, of uh, the early 90s. Our phone bills were crazy, so my wife was threatening to kick me out of the house. But um, he sent me a copy of Grace Discipleship Course, and he said, you know, just go through this with an open mind, and and I went through it all in one night and I, I was that desperate and that hungry and God uh, when I got to chapter 2 um, for the first time in my life I experienced the love of Christ and, the, and understood that God loves me that he really loves me and this was not about me it's about him and it's all in Christ and I, you know, so I broke out my little strong concordance it was before the internet in our house so uh, I couldn't go into, to crosswalk dot com and search all the in Christ references, so I started looking at all these things in Christ and just making my own list of these things that we have in, in Christ and, and what that meant. But going through that course began to connect a lot of dots that i never been to, that I've never been able to connect before. And then I went with this same uh, guy up to uh, Hendersonville to meet Paul, and this was it was so long ago that even I can't remember it. But uh, I remember him showing me the, he asked me which Bible I used, and I said that King James 1611 is what our church uses. And so he showed me a 1611 version of the Bible, and I thought, wait a minute, something's wrong here. This thing's written in an upside-down language. But, um, you know, and then I realized that we were actually using the 1769 that I still couldn't understand with all of these and those and You know, um, so I went out and bought a new King James. And, um, so I could understand it in a new American standard and in a new English version or a new international version. I was on all kinds of stuff that I could read that would make sense to me. And so going through a, a Dr. Turner's book and understanding the the will that's presented in that book and seeing myself as a triunity of body, soul, and spirit and understanding that Jesus on the cross took, took care of my sin, that that was dealt with, and that what I needed was life. And through that, I actually understood the gospel for the first time. That I truly understood the gospel. That You know, so I was going through all this array of emotions, but I, I really understood the gospel in, in it. And, and um, so I I don't know if I was born again at that point. I didn't say God save me. I just said, thank you, God, for illuminating this, Jesus, your Lord. I didn't wait until I got back to church to go to this big altar and run down there on Sunday morning, as a lot of people do. But... Um, you know I just began to understand you know and and grow from from years after meeting paul after get after getting my first copy uh of Handbook to Happiness and then uh reading that and then reading the ins and outs of rejection and um and not really seeing that that I never really saw that okay, my mom rejected uh, i thought I felt like that was a strong guy I didn't have an issue with that you know she don't want me, that's cool, I don't need her. You know, that, but, um, but God began to break me and and make me a lot more sensitive. I'm a sensitive person anyway, but, um, but those, those resources were very helpful. Um, so through all that, God was beginning to help me appropriate Christ as my life, if that makes sense, and I hope it does. But then I, in uh, 2004, I subscribed to Grace Notes. I was, I think I was on the Grace Fellowship website and, and ran across, uh, uh, some of the links there and I looked at Grace Notes and I found a good article so I subscribed to that and I've been getting those ever since and I can't tell you how many of those I've borrowed and taught in, in my connection group at school but how much they helped me. And, um, I, I'd gotten, uh, one before on dealing with, uh, loss. Uh, my daughter had a very rare, um, um, She had an autoimmune disease, which is extremely rare. She was born with uh, her body rejecting her liver, and we didn't know it until she was eight years old. And by the time she was eight years old, she had cirrhosis of the liver. The liver had to go. It was 95 plus percent destroyed, less than three months to live is what they told us. And so through that uh, experience, um, you know, we were all really concerned. Had a lot of of friends, a lot of network. Everybody was on the list. We, we, We knew we couldn't get a cadaver donor. Uh, they told us maybe it would be a year to a year and a half to get one. Um, but they were doing experimenting with liver living donor transplants at the time. And you University of North Carolina also uh, let like Chapel Hill, and I'm a big Tar Heel fan, but they were actually doing those for about two years. So we opted to do that. So many of us went through I was the preferred uh, donor but after you go through six weeks of testing for everything under the sun then they go into the do a hepatic angiogram, and they determined that through that my vessels were too small. So transplant was scheduled. She was in the next room. I was being prepped, and they determined the vessels were too small, and I was very discouraged. And, um, and I remember um, after that, one person after another, after another, after another, and everybody in my family was on the list was was being deferred for one reason or another. And then I had this cousin that come out of nowhere. I grew up beside her. She was um uh she's an executive for American Express, traveling all over the place and she'd been in town, stopped by to see my daughter at the hospital and uh felt sorry for just seeing her in that. She was a sixty eight pound little girl when she got sick and uh gained sixty eight more pounds in three weeks from heavy doses of prednisone and other steroids just to keep her alive. And um uh, so my cousin put her name on the list, and I thought, whatever. You know, I was getting discouraged, but still, you know, praying that God would would intervene. And and the doctor called me about two or three weeks later and said, "We got our allergy cousin. She looks really good. I think this is going to work." So, to make a long story short, with that it turns out that the plumbing or vessels of their livers were almost identical. And this is the doctor's own words. and you know, I'm not making this up. But he said their their vessels were so similar in how they were positioned you know, that it's like a puzzle that fit perfectly together and, and he said and I've stolen that phrase from him, he said, This is a God thing. He so said, This is this is a better fit than you would have, yours would have been and so they did the transplant, they both were fine. They she recovered well. She did great. Um they did the transplant on Thanksgiving Day nineteen ninety eight. And um so after um in uh two thousand and four, you know Starting high school, a lot of hormonal changes in the body. Uh, she was growing. The, the medication she was on—16 medicines twice a day—and uh, they were um, the chemistry of her body was affecting some of the medicines. So, was a lot of trial and error. So she was in and out of the hospital a lot. The total of the ten years was pretty close to to 1,000 days. But um, but anyway, uh, she was uh, she was a born again Christian, and she never focused on the negative. She never one time complained. She just felt that this is what I have to deal with. We're going we're gonna to be the optimists. We're going forward with faith. And a lot of times I admit she had more faith than me. And I and I learned from her. God humbled me a lot. And just dur- during this process really broke me. I'd just gotten the biggest promotion of my career two days before she was diagnosed with this illness. And so I took three months, off work and said, I don't care what happens to anything. I'm going to take care of my, my family. So um, as time went on, she, she did great. She finished high school this past year. Um, uh, one quick thing I'll say is she, we did prayer requests every day at our church, or every Sunday, and uh, so six people go in this room, and they, and they take all these 1,300 members in this church and they take all these big stats of requests and just pass them along in a circle. So, by the time the service is over, six people have prayed for each need. And I do that a lot. And she had missed the offering plate coming by where they dropped us. So she handed it to me and said, Can you get this back there? She, what she had written on there, and this was around May, end of May, um, please pray that I don't have to go to the hospital anymore this year. She had written that because she said she wanted to do her senior prom and she wanted to graduate. You know, She missed so many things from being in the hospital. So she, um, um, my pastor had been preaching on Second Corinthians and about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we were doing this series called uh, One Month to Live. I don't know if you've seen that by Chris and Sherry Krupp. It's a great thing. You get a devotional and you get this little band you wear, but you live each day as if you had one month to live and then you start counting it down. So what would you do differently if you knew you had one month to live? So it was a great program. We were, We were finishing that up. The very last week, and little did we know that she had, literally had you know, months to live. But um, she had marked through that. Please pray; I don't have to go in the hospital anymore this year. So please pray when I'm back in the hospital that I'll remember Second Corinthians. Um, I want to say six, ten, through twelve, and that I'll have the attitude of Paul. I know that, and you know, when in my weakness, God's strong, or I'm made st- uh, strong in my weakness, but. But anyway, I, I didn't get a chance to get that back to there, so I gave it to my pastor. It was folded up, and he called me to his office the next day, and he had read it, and he was weeping, and we both prayed, and, and he kept it on his desk and prayed, prayed, prayed. But anyway, uh, what happened is we were, um, she got through her prom, beautiful. She was a beautiful little girl. We um, got through her graduation. Uh, she decided to go for her beach trip for graduation with her family, which we were so thankful for. Uh and the last day that the uh, night the night before we were supposed to leave, she um I noticed that she was getting really jaundiced, and I could tell that she was rejecting 'cause it, then you can tell after that many rejections we knew. And uh so we took her to the hospital to get lab work. They called and said, Bring her in. She's rejected pretty hard. Um and but they got that under control really fast. But simultaneously, she had no good veins in her body, so they were dehydrated her to put a PIC line in her neck to give her some heavy steroids that would get her through her first semester of college because she was two weeks away from moving in her dorm. She had been accepted at UNC Chapel Hill Medical School. So, um, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, uh, yeah, to, to quickly uh, her high school career, she, she never under the No Child Left Behind Act, uh, President Bush on any chronically ill child. Uh, doesn't have to make up anything they're not in class. Uh, any assignment given in class and they're not there, they don't have to take that. Make, they can't be graded on that, basically. She never took one exemption. I, I would either pick it up or they would email it to her. She would do the work. She would email it back. Straight A honor student her entire life. She, her senior year last year, this past year, she finished. She was president of the National Honor Society, the youth president of our American Red, Red Cross for our county got more donations than anybody in the history of the county as youth president. She uh, won a North Carolina, I mean, she, won, she was a North Carolina scholar. Yeah. She won a Presidential Education Award, and she won four scholarships. So uh, a very, very, and she was editor of the school paper and a great writer. And she had led a lot of uh, teenagers to Christ that we had no idea about until her uh, passing and uh until uh you know her MySpace, She had like thirteen thousand hits on there from people all over. She put she used it for God. She put scripture on there and Thank she God. would help other people going through issues. So anyway, um that's my daughter Christy and on July seventh, uh, one thirty five in the morning, um, totally unexpectedly, God taught her home. And I remember on the way home, you know, a lot I've been teaching a lot of these principles and counseling with people and very serious, but on the way home, you know, I was just, I was numb. I'd been up for five and a half days straight because she was delirious from the dehydration, and she was literally at uh, a Vermont hospital event as big as the children's hospital is, didn't have enough staff to stay there with her, so I did, and I um, couldn't leave her, and um, I just remember her, you know, just not not being her, herself, and I was so exhausted, but, I asked myself, I went on this slept for 18 hours, and I thank God for that 18-hour nap. But I, I remember getting up and thinking when I had to face this the next day that it wasn't a dream and thing, that I either believe God and believe Him for who He says He is, or I don't, and I, I will make that choice to believe that absent from the body is present with the Lord and that she can't come back to me, but I can go to her. And and all these verses they kept coming to my mind, and knowing that, you know, it's so cliche. People say, well, I, she's in a better place, or you now you have another angel watching at you. And I quickly tell them she's not an angel, right. she's a saint with Jesus. You know, right. uh, that's the difference between us and angels. But uh, but anyway, um, you know, I, I just thank God that I knew she was born again. I knew we talked about heaven at length. So I give away everything that I get, and my wife kills me with that, or she's going to one day. But uh So i have given away just a few weeks before to some struggling Christians, my Grace Discipleship courses all marked up, but I ordered some more just so I could read. If you haven't been through those, they're fantastic. But in the advanced course, the last chapter, The Pleasure of Dying. And uh, I ordered them just so I could go through that. So I remember ministering to a family with that, Years before, on the pleasure of dying, and, and it was such a help to me. But at the, that morning, I opened my email, and John's Grace notes had came in, and it was dealing with loss, and, and you know, and, and not not just the loss of a person, but the loss of a job, the loss of a spouse, the loss of health. There's so many things you can lose and grieve, and and so I, you know, as time's going on, God's prepared me to wrap up here uh, for this ministry. Uh, I left a great corporate job, was offered another corporate job just recently and turned that down to to start I'm doing some consulting right now to have to make some money but um uh, I'm certified uh through uh Dave Ramsey's Ministry of Financial Peace University and I, I counsel with numerous people in two thousand three to two thousand six my wife and I became debt free. Uh, we went very aggressive, and, and we decided we would, you know, description Proverbs that the borrower is a servant to the lender. We knew that. We had to get up and go to work when we didn't want to, and we hated that feeling of, you know, being that way. So in spite of the fact that um, we paid $450 a month in copay for my daughter's medicine, that's just in copay, $500 a month at UNC Chapel Hill Hospital, A $100 a month to our our local hospital there in Eden just for lab work. That's more than most people's mortgage, but God has been faithful to us always. And we were able to do all that and still get financially uh, debt-free, building a house now that's about three-quarters of the way built, and it will be paid for, thank God. When when it's built, I don't say any of that to boast. I say that humbly before God. Thank you, God. You know, I we went very gung ho selling things that it was in our house that we didn't need. You know, buying clothes and books from from Goodwill. You know, I said if my kids won't do it, I will. I have no problem with it. And um, our three dollar shirts from Walmart, especially when they got Jesus on them, that's a pretty good deal. Um, but but you know, we, we really tightened up. We really budgeted. We wanted to be better financial stewards. We wanted to support more missions. We wanted to to do more for the kingdom of God. We wanted to be better stewards of our money, and we wanted our church to benefit from that. So I took a a group of 42 people through this training. Um, 30 of them graduated and paid off in the the 13 weeks $203,000 of debt, and and we have those trainings ongoing. So the other facet of my business, uh, I want to help people get debt-free, and then there's uh, Dan Miller, all, all these guys are from Tennessee. So the, the three the three ministry, business slash ministry, hopefully, God willing, one day all ministry, uh, all came from training that I received in Tennessee. But uh, Dan Miller uh, is in Franklin, Tennessee, and they have this uh, 48 Days of the Work You Love. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. It's a great book. It will help you find your God-given talent for what you're here for. Very Christian-based, but um, and I'm teaching that right now uh, on Wednesday nights. I teach great discipleship on Sunday mornings. Teaching financial peace on um, Thursdays, and the and the 48-day career thing, which he uses the, in the, instead of the word work in the book. He titles it that just to get people to buy, it, but in, and he defines it quickly as your vocation or your calling for life. So my Threefold ministry here is to help people get financially free. Um, imagine what imagine here if the if the entire church, the body of Christ, was financially free in the middle of a recession when the government's struggling and and just just a few days ago I heard that they were borrowing money from anybody that would lend it to them. I thought yeah. about loaning them a couple hundred bucks, you know, just to say <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Imagine what the church could do as a testimony for Jesus Christ if the church as a whole, the body of Christ, was debt-free and the people that we could help. And, and in this, there's accountability. It's not a handout. There's accountability for stewardship, but most people just need to be taught. They're living on uh, more than they should. So it's just a matter of living on less than you make. Uh, so to help people get debt-free, to help them find the vocation or God-given calling for their life, which I feel like this is mine, and now to share the exchange life and and the um, just the entire grace fellowship ministry and st- including the steps to freedom in Christ, I've been through those with Paul. Paul came to our little small town of Stoneville, North Carolina, with three stoplights, and um, and 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 he and his wife and we enjoyed having them there. It was, a, it was a blessing, and you know, so I've been through those steps and I've been through them on my own, and I've and I've taken my children through the Grace Discipleship course and through uh, the seduction of our children reading that um, another book by Neil T. Anderson you should really uh, get and it's it's, it's sobering but my daughter my daughter uh, Christy that passed away was an apologetic uh, for 18 18 to be 18 years old and she had wanted to go into journalism she had so much so many investigative questions she kept me sharp and kept me in the Bible because she questioned everything I told her. So I had to have references. I knew that, okay, Nathan, he's receptive. You know, when I knew when it was Christy, she's going to debate, and I love that. And uh, she debated two of her teachers, and one of them told me uh, when he came to her viewing that he was a Christian, and he always played the role of an atheist in school just to see how many students in his class could defend their faith. And he told me that he had it all of here to teach, he felt like, she was the best. So anyway, please pray for pray for me, pray for this ministry, pray for my family. As Thanksgiving's coming up, it'll be the 10-year anniversary of our um, of the Christie's liver transplant. But she don't need a new liver. She's present with Jesus, and we're we're grateful for that. And uh, please pray for me tomorrow as I speak at a grief share conference. I've been going to uh, grief share. It's a support Christian support group, and I've been asked to to speak on surviving the holidays. It's a program they have for people that have been through divorce or been through grief because the holidays can be some tough times. So this church just wants to offer some compassion, love, and and grace to people. So thanks, John, for the opportunity, and please pray for our ministry. Thank you. Amen.